are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And action! Alright, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Moonlight. Moonlight. You know it now as the 2017... I always get confused because it came out in 2016, 2017 Oscars, whatever. Most recent. How about that? Most recent Best Picture Academy Award winning film, Moonlight. Excellent. Excellent. Now, we tried to uh, schedule this in a way so we could do it right after the Oscars and try and do it in February so we could continue our Black History Month coverage of an important movie. And we didn't even know it was going to win. And then we had some scheduling difficulties. Yeah, this is meant to be in February, folks. So pretend it's February. And uh, Loud in the Set tradition, year two, Black History Month. Yeah, well, we're a little bit late. We apologize to all listeners, right, Kyle? But it was a scheduling mess up, and uh, we apologize for that. But we're here making it up. We're doing Moonlight. And we made it up by sending a $25 gift card to the winner of our Oscar contest, which was Beth. Beth! Congratulations, Beth. Way to go. Beth got a great gift card to the Sundance Kabuki Cinema, one of her favorites, as she mentioned. So she's going to go see a movie and let us know what she saw. But congrats, Beth, for entering and winning our Oscar contest. All right, Kyle, let's let's get Moonlight going. Let's dive into Moonlight. So right. this isn't going to be a uh, rampantly hilarious podcast like no. all of our other romps no. through Jurassic World and whatnot. This is going to take some care. Focus. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the funny out of the way at the top. All right, Kyle, do your initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. Wait, so, wait, wait, let's point something out here. Yes. We haven't discussed it yet. We haven't. This is this is like this is like the first time. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we're doing jokes out of the way. We're doing it live. Yeah. We're doing it live. Um, yes. Yeah, so we haven't talked about this yet, uh, and I was extraordinarily excited to talk about it. This was kind of a landmark movie for me because. With probably the exception of maybe like one film that was forgettable that I can't really remember, I probably saw on a whim, I saw no major movies in recent memory where I had not seen a trailer for the film. Oh, you went in fresh. I went in totally blind. I had no idea what to expect besides the poster, which I did not even understand and look at closely enough to notice the uh, nuance that's involved in it. Excellent. Which is brilliant. So I knew nothing going into this film. I didn't know what to expect. I watched it the night it won Best Picture. I was planning on watching it for our review anyway that night, mm-hmm. and then I looked at my phone and went, holy shit, it won Best Picture. And what was supposed to win Best Picture according to everybody? Happy La Land. Or as I call it, <laughs> Happy Go Lucky, the autobiography of everybody that lives around here. <laughs> Somebody asked me today, have you seen La Land? I was like, I don't have to watch La Land. I see it every day in this fucking city. There you go. Everybody that walks around their dog dressed in little sweaters and their coffee mug in their hand <laughs> and their happy-go-lucky lifestyle. I'm like, that, that, that's it, right? I don't have that's to watch La it. That's La La Land. That's La I live in fucking La La Land and Peter Pan syndrome all over the place. We know nothing about La La Land. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Kyle, But I, worth, yeah. I had no expectations going in. I watched it and... I recommended it to you. I, I, you Kyle, did, I yes. saw it way before Kyle. You did. I was like, Kyle, you got to see this movie. And here's how I got Kyle. I think here's how I got you to see it. I told Kyle, and this is one of my opening thoughts, mm-hmm. that this pushed me to the brink of Crybaby. Yeah, we were almost at a, a new episode. This episode might have been titled <sighs> Crybabies. The sequel. <laughs> um, I teased you with that. I was like, go see it. And here's the only thing I'm going to tell you about it. I had to 
we'll talk more about it in a second with the, uh-huh. with the honey baby, the story and whatnot. But all right, get, go with your opening thought. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Anyway. I was right there with you. Yeah. Um, it was incredible. It, it ended, and I was just in every way completely satisfied with it. It was wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah. And like I just said, the uh, if I had to describe to anybody <clears throat> how this movie impacted me, when it was when it was finished, I'm sitting there. I got the honey baby on my left hand side. You know the honey baby. The honey baby. And the credits are rolling, and I'm stunned. I was just sitting there, and after a little bit, she grabs me by the arm, and she says, well, what would you think? And I said, I gave her, like, this gesture, Kyle. I'm gesturing right now. <laughs> I, and I was I can't. I was so emotional in the moment, Kyle, that I said, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. I was in one of those emotional states, and you've been there before, I think. Oh, yeah. That the minute I started talking, the floodgates would have opened. Yep. So I was stealing myself. It would have been all over. I, I couldn't. Like, the minute, you know, sometimes, like, is something wrong? And you're like... <laughs> like once you get going it's just no stopping it right so i just i stopped myself oh kyle it is a oh my god it's such a beautiful movie it what a piece such of a art. beautiful movie yeah we'll get into it um where shall we begin oh i know where we should begin so we mentioned at the top we wanted to do this for black history month but it it absolutely should be because this is a perfect example uh, i mean pretty much everybody involved in this film but nearly everybody was of a uh ethnic race other than the typical hollywood other than la la land white- <laughs> there you go yes the la la land uh, whitewash um but the strongest aspect of this movie i in my opinion one of the strongest aspects i shouldn't say that is that it is a story about people and love. And if you had made it with any people in it of any race, color, creed, it's the same story. It's the story of love. It's the story of people growing. And, of course, there are influenced challenges that these specific people face. And some of them are racial challenges. But... The root of this story is as human as it gets, deep down to the core. And that that's and whilst keeping lots of cultural aspects and racial aspects throughout the film, it was purely a story of people and love and transcending everything else. I like what you just said, Kyle. In fact, you put into words a feeling that I had, because I hesitated when I, when we said, Let's let's make this our Black History Month tribute movie. I was like, well, uh-huh. Last year we did Malcolm X, and you and I discussed this, and I'm more about when I want to recognize Black History Month, I do it from a, a historic standpoint, right? right. Um, not, a, not a story, if you will, not. And, and so the, this is about characters, and it is about all the things you just talked about, and you could have put other people in those roles, and it would have been just, well, maybe not just as beautiful. It would have been a beautiful story, right? regardless of the color or the whatever of the people in the story. And so I was hesitant to make this our Black History Month movie, but then I realized, no, it's not, you don't have to shy away from that, like, this is culturally relevant because this type of storyline, uh, homosexuality and yada yada, is not often tackled through this lens, as yes. the saying goes, right? Absolutely. So we can recognize that, right? We I absolutely can, can. and we should, it. because yeah. it's important, and it's an outlet on a major, major stage now for a story like this to be told that you might have just seen in an art house theater before that nobody would have had exposure to. There would have been you know, pockets of things. I mean, you know if you look, right? Yep. But most people aren't looking, unfortunately. Excellent. So what a what a triumph for everybody involved in this film. And I'll, I'll just stand by this right up front. I'd rec- go in and 
look at the entire cast and the entire crew of everything and give them a, a round of applause in your heads and note them because these were some of the best acting moments I've seen on screen in a long time. Some of the most nuanced and also powerful direction using a camera to capture emotions and elicit feelings that the characters had inside. And for the director, Barry Jenkins, who also wrote the screenplay, um, this was this was an adapted screenplay as well, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, story by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Hope I'm pronouncing everybody's name right this time. Uh, some of the most perfect example of screenwriting in the show don't tell category. Yes, it was masterful. I'm gonna piggyback on that. And Piggy, you um, you were talking about the acting a second. Some of the greatest nuanced acting you've seen in a long time. I have written here as one of my positives that nothing is wasted, especially in terms of the dialogue. And you get that sense right away in Act 1 because the main character, well, the main character in Act 1 isn't necessarily a little boy. It's it's the father figure, right? Right. And I use that term loosely. It's not really his father. It's his mm-hmm. But anyway, um, nothing is wasted in terms of dialogue. We'll, we'll stick to the dialogue for now. Nothing is wasted. Um, you hang on every actor's word, and especially a little boy, because it takes him so long to mutter anything. Right. And when he does, it is impactful mm-hmm. no? especially the scene where he gets the um, what's the character's name I, I can't believe I'm blanking on this one it's you know it's Sharon Sh- Sh- are we talking who are we talking about the young kid the drug dealer no 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 not the, oh, not the, not the main character. Oh, when the young kid gets the drug dealer to admit his, his guilt or his culpability in contributing to society's right. like you know, state of fucked upness, right? And he won the Academy Award for supporting Best supporting actor, actor, right? right? I don't want to mess up his name. I, I don't know. want to either. I believe last name Terrence, Arp. right? Was that the character's name? I don't know. Sheriff Yarp Arp Arp. <laughs> oh, I'm struggling. No, didn't the winner wasn't the winner Ali Marshasha Ali? Oh boy, we fucked this up. We're gonna get this right. Well researched podcast. <laughs> um. Anyway, nothing wasted. The dialogue is beautiful, and it hits you at every point that, that something is being said. You're attached to every word. That's the point I wanted to make there. And that was one of the exact scenes that I noticed as well. They're at the um, dinner table, and the little boy asks him, do you sell drugs to my ma? Right. And the, the, the older gentleman just puts his head down, and that's how that scene ends. That's act one, rap. Uh-huh. And it's the same, if I remember correctly, the same conversation that incorporates the most beautiful explanation of homosexuality in such a loving and just important way you know there's Mm -hmm. nothing uh, and i wish that i had the exact words in front of me but you should be watching the movie if you haven't seen it already well that's one of the reasons why we're struggling each of us only seen it once right right and when you're done seeing it you're just you're overwhelmed Mahershala right? Ali you're thank right. you thank yes. you thank you thank you was the, the drug dealer character and that's the thing normally with movies you know this about me I can set things into my memory immediately right? mm-hmm. but I was so overwhelmed by this movie I have trouble recalling exact words normally I can throw back quotes like like well and it's it's difficult in a script like this as well where the characters are speaking so naturally mm. in terms of a conversational back and forth that the the you have to connect so many things in order to understand and see the full picture because you have to be paying attention to every little detail, 
how characters are moving, what they're doing, what they're wearing, where they're going. Everything plays into it, and nobody stands around going, hey, my name is Schmur de Schmur. You have to, like, listen and hear somebody's name. And a perfect example of that is when they do want you to remember something, what do they do? They throw it up right on the main title screen. The three acts of the film are the the name of our main character as right. as the iteration that they are in for the segment. So the first one is Little. 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 So he is Little at the beginning. And, I mean, that speaks so much right there. Mm-hmm. And then as you move through, you get the other progressions of everything. And I wrote notes, so I'm going to pull them up here. Go for it. Because I usually don't have notes. But today, this is special. Mm-hmm. Piggy. Oh, no, the... um. The the second one, you'll you'll bring up your notes in a second because I'm blanking. I really appreciate what you just said though because I remember the emotions that I experienced in the scenes and not the scenes themselves. Right. And when Chiron you, is the second one. Yeah. The and um, then the last one, black. black. Yeah. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody about this today, and that is the differences between like the objective memory of a scene in a movie or something like that versus your memory of how you felt experiencing the movie. Absolutely. Which I thought was a very interesting, nuanced approach to remembering a movie or remembering anything for that matter of fact. Most of the time, I remember the objective reality of a given situation. Uh-huh. But when it comes to Moonlight, I just remember my emotions as I watched it. And when you said the the, the scene at the at the breakfast table, right. if you will, mm-hmm. I don't remember what the adult male said in that situation. All I remember is he made him... He was awkward at first. There was a humorous part, right? Mm-hmm. Where the woman had to be like, don't phrase it like that. And the theater giggled a little bit. But then he he quickly um, became gentle or he became more gentle. Mm-hmm. And his language just became one of inclusion and acceptance and care and love. Mm-hmm. And by the end... Enough to be completely open and honest yeah. about anything that that child was going to ask him. And, the, and Little's view of him and the world was going to be shaped in this way, and he was going to learn something and walk away from it. And yep. wasn't going to sugarcoat it, and he was going to let him do what he had to do. In a similar way, in the, in, the, in the other two acts, I don't remember exactly what was said, for example, with even the bully, you know? But uh-huh. you just remember the feeling of that moment. You don't remember what they said together on the beach. Him and, I think, his... I don't remember his, his companion's name even, you know? Um... But you remember the scene, you know? You uh-huh. remember the the hand in the sand and the... Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I can't... Yes. I wish I was a little bit more uh, articulate <laughs> for this podcast. It's just... It's such a it's such a perfect movie. It's so beautiful. Oh. It is. So I want to highlight for a second the... A lot of times we talk about um, the last Best Picture winner was Spotlight. And this one is Moonlight. Interesting. So if you title your movie something light, you will win Best Picture. All we right. started a precedent here. Um, when you look at Spotlight, there are some scenes where the camera work plays into what's going on. There's not many, to be to be frank about it, because it wasn't about fancy cameras. It was about the acting on, on screen. This is a perfect movie where you're watching, you're chronicling this uh, Chiron's life throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. and you start with almost a reflection of a, a, a nostalgic like memory of the situation. And the director used a lot of camera techniques and cinematography to portray the feelings of the characters throughout. For instance, the when you 
picture back to some of your earliest best memories where you just imagine warmth and love and maybe you were in a place in a scene i'm speaking specifically about the part where they're on the beach where he is little he's with his father figure at the time and they're on the beach you immediately get this radial blur around the screen and a slight distortion as if he's reflecting and remembering this moment and as you progress through the movie there's a lot of parts especially at the beginning where there's big gaps in between what's going on and then you're just someplace else and a couple of those come in the forms of like these kind of distorted memories and the types of music that played over it uh thank you kira for being well knowledge in this realm laudate dominu is uh basically means praise the lord and it's as they're all all the children are playing together and they start to uh go through their cacophony of like life and fun and everything is great and this beautiful music comes on and like this very spiritual kind of moment uh thinking about life and the the innocence of the children and everything and then you get really intense moments that are distorted whether it's when his mother is yelling at him mm-hmm. and the sound blurs out in those memories that you have where you don't understand exactly what was going on. Maybe it was the first time that your adrenaline was surging and something scary was happening in your life and the sound fades out, the the view truncates and be, kind of becomes this long lens tunnel vision looking at what's going on in front of you and that plays all throughout the movie, and I won't wow. spend so much more time talking but about it. That's a brilliant but observation. But I, I remember just the lighting. Cinematography and the direction. Yeah. Brilliant. I just remember, because I hadn't thought about that at all. Again, my sort of feeling of the movie has sort of overtaken all sort of my analytical abilities. But I remember the lighting of those scenes. It's like uh-huh. really intentionally skewed, as you would say. It's not the reality of an apartment lighting anymore. It's like these weird darkened hues, like they're pastels, but they've been toned down to a really dark place, mm-hmm. right? And each each act of the film, the three acts, starts with a scene that comes on right before that title pops up. Except the first act, which starts black and just goes right into your title at the beginning. Interesting. I believe. So when you look at it, you see an iteration of a character on screen. And you have no words, you have no dialogue, you have no context for it, but what you're seeing on screen, which is capturing the character's perception of themselves before anybody gives them a name, i.e. you see darkness, you have life, apparently, which comes in the form of little. And he, and he gets his given, given name by people at the time, using air quotes there. Mm-hmm. People refer to him as little. He's born, he's brought into the world from this darkness, he's little. The next time you get a scene of Sharon looking at himself in the mirror and they do a smash cut between when he's little and then they go right into him looking up in the mirror and he's essentially grown into adolescence. You see it for a minute, you get Chiron up on the screen, how he's identifying at the time. Then finally, you get to the end where you see the character's iteration of himself, where he's been influenced, where he's brought himself, which is uh, kind of like his mentor's life at exactly. the beginning. Yeah. He's fallen into that sort of path in the, the drug-dealing world, and you see that he's gone full out with the, the grills that he has in his mouth mm-hmm. and his car and everything, and he's, he's kind of trying to look the part 
and he's identifying, and then you get the title card right after that, which is black, as if he's trying to fit into the stereotypical mold that society has given him. And then once you get to the end of the film, the last scene you get is a jump cut, spoiler alert, <laughs> at this point, mm -hmm. to him reunited with his lover, caring emotionally together, just holding each other at peace, and you get the end of the movie because there's no defining, quantifiable, literary term or anything that will come past two people feeling comfortable and in love together, which we see on screen. Wow, Kyle. Well done. Yeah. You're good at this, man. <laughs> um, let, me just, let me just add a couple of things to that. Um, the, introduce, the introduction of his character in the, in the third act, uh, what a stunning transformation, right? Uh -huh. there's, um, there's something to be said about that. It's, it's a metamorphosis in nearly every way because he's still the sh same shy, quiet, um, lost, if you will, individual uh -huh. on the inside. But that outer shell is whoa! What a change, right? Yes. A little side note, by the way. Um, let's let's be a little lighthearted for a second. Okay. When I was watching the movie, I turned to the honey baby and I go, you know, because I knew this was going to be a big movie when uh -huh. I when I saw it. And and as I was watching, I was like, this is going to be huge. This, yeah. this movie is going to be huge. It's not getting all the attention it deserves right now because I saw it very early on. It's not getting the marketing, the advertising push. It's not getting the attention yet. But I was like, this movie is going to be fucking huge. And I turned to the honey baby and I go, I bet you. 50 Cent is kicking himself in the ass right now because this guy is a dead ringer for him. <laughs> no? It, it, it looks just like him. And, and he it, must be like, fuck. Yeah. They and, modeled this, this character right after me. And I should be in that role. That's exactly the point. Yeah. They, they, he modeled himself after that. And oh, what brilliance anyway. with the, the last act when you've seen, and you see this in the second act as well. But at the beginning, the character's a child. He's only been influenced by what's around him. And then when he's identifying and he's Chiron in the second act, there's a scene where he kind of, when he's on the same level as his peers, he makes strides in who he is as a person. And one of the uh, best parts of that is when um, he says that everyone has a choice to stand up for what's right, even if it means getting hurt or taking a sacrifice yourself, essentially. He's basically laying it out there, talking to... I believe the other kid about whether he had uh, whether he had to like punch him to gain the like you know yeah ensemble or whatever the peer pressure right and but then when he talks to his mom and other characters a lot of times he reverts to a lot of the acting and the character that was little he's presented since he was met those people in that stage of his life the acting and the character reverts to what little would have done which is a lot of the really shy moments and the and the uh seclusion he, from yes, that he, and then you see it with black beautifully because as you move through it you meet iterations of each uh different characters that kind of fit into those different roles people he knew as a child people he knew in his adolescence and people that he's just meeting as himself and he acts in each way differently to all of those different people He'll identify as his new self when he's meeting new people, when he's meeting kind of familiar people, maybe from his childhood. He's got that weird kind of uh, catch-up adolescent moment. And uh, then when he finally reverts into the love that is brought about from things like your mentor when you're a child and your parents, and he goes full back into the 
the mode of being uh, just completely consumed in childhood and love and not manifesting through anything else but that lens of innocence. Beautiful, Kyle. Jesus, you're on fire. Yeah, it was great. Oof, I, um, I'm going to back up for a second because you were talking about the ending and how he's in that tender embrace. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just a beautiful moment. I wrote, what a perfect ending. Uh, there was one quote. I'm going to paraphrase it or get it slightly off, but he admits, this is before they're in the embrace, right. but he admits in one of the few things he actually says when he's in the apartment, because like you said, mm-hmm. it's wonderful and symmetrical and beautiful how he re- reverts back to being the shy kid again Yes, in the presence of, of his uh, high school friend, right? Uh, but anyway, his quote is like, you're the only one that's ever touched me. Mm-hmm. So you learn in that moment that all of his fronting, all the, all the fronts are indeed fronts. Like, you, yeah, you're a grown man. You're huge. You're cock diesel. You dress a certain way. You drive a certain car. You, blah, blah, blah. you have this whole persona, but you, like, you haven't, you, you, you still aren't like experiencing love, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he, he becomes so vulnerable in that moment and so honest with himself. No, and it, it's, takes it was him, so beautiful. It was and so cool. it takes him to a, a new realm of enlightenment and is the like the final iteration of character growth. And my interpretation of the ending was that that is the new path that is set. This has been growth and development of a person into a... Ho- the next scene would be the realized version of himself. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, form, it's a version of himself that's just been put on delay. Right, exactly you know, he, right. He, it's, been, it's been building the whole time beneath the surface. Well, in, in between Acts 2 and 3, it went on hiatus. We yes. could probably assume that because of what he says, mm-hmm. haven't been touched by anybody since you, right. and the fact that we know he spent a little bit of time in jail, and, mm-hmm. and he was in a different geographic location and whatnot. So the tender, loving side of him that, that wants to experience all those same things, yeah, it was like in hibernation. Exactly right. So I want to highlight another piece of yeah, man, uh, camera work here, because yeah. in a lot of movies, you might have seen... Uh, a character waiting for an important life event and they'd be putting it on their face, they'd be nervous, they'd be ticking, tapping, whatever. One, one of my favorite scenes is when he's uh, he gets the call from his lover, essentially, mm-hmm. and they're going to reunite and he's going there. And from the point where you're in the car pulling up to the restaurant that he's meeting this guy at, it's it's one continuous take from when they when he steps inside the restaurant to when he sits down at the table, to when he starts talking to him, and he sees him and meets him, but everything in between, the buildup of tension is what he's feeling inside. And they do that by having the camera stay completely tracked on what he's observing in the room, what's going on around him, and that long, continuous take with not a lot of action or dialogue, no dialogue in between. None. It's just all building up to that moment. And it's not its not scary like you would have in like a horror movie or like building uh, terror suspense. It's that anticipation you feel in a big revolutionary life moment where you know you're about to, maybe you're going on your, your next date or maybe you're getting ready to propose. I know that I felt this. And everything kind of just funnels and you can only just like see exactly what's there and what's around you and your brain is going a billion miles an hour and then everything just is kind of leading up in this 
sickening type of anticipation. And you get that in the camera work. And then once he sits down and the tension releases, then they get their back and forth. They get kind of the classic over-the-shoulder shots that are going back and forth. And you get closer and closer to the characters' faces, bringing in the intimacy of the conversation. But it all starts over his shoulder, following him into the restaurant, and then leading him over to his seat while he sits patiently awaiting whatever fate will come from this conversation. Kyle Forster presents Moonlight. <laughs> I the analysis even, of Moonlight. Couldn't even get close to doing this justice, but we're wow. trying. I, I, I need to see it again because you, you're fresher with it than I am, and it shows in your analysis. This is really spot-on stuff. You're bringing me back to I the, got some the notes here. Um, one thing what, I wanna... what could this podcast have been if I just had notes for everything else? <laughs> Oh, we'll untapped, never know. The untapped promise. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to mention before this podcast wraps up, and I want to make sure I say it, is that um, to me it was a perfectly balanced story. Uh-huh. I have rarely seen a story told so perfectly with such great equilibrium between three acts. A perfect three-act story. Yes. No? I think so. Um, oh, it was so beautiful. Um, it... The, the camera work, it, it, the scenery, and the time capture, you knew exactly where you were at any given time. Um, I, I think it will stand the test of time. Absolutely. Even though, you know, it's, it's culturally locked in place by the music and the dress and the, the cars and, the, and even the location and whatnot and the, and the way drugs are even treated, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad because now I'm reflecting. I'm, I'm glad that it won Best Picture because I'm reflecting on a podcast from a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Oscars. Yes. And I said... I said, that of the two frontrunners, one of them... Hey, we picked it. I was like, yeah. I was like, one of them is going to be remembered forever. And the other... Yada, yada. I went with that yes. joke for a while. I was like, and the other one's called La La Land. So there you go. Um, yeah, was, this is a celebration. This is a Black History Month celebration of this movie, Moonlight. Absolutely. If you haven't seen it, if, if you're listening, if you're one of our friends, family, <laughs> fans listening to Loud on the Set, go see this movie as soon as possible. Absolutely. Because yeah. you have to see... We, you can't read a description of this or... No or have somebody talk to you about it, you need to just sit down and observe the full experience because in between every piece we're talking about, there's no wasted time. It clips along yep. at a little under two hours and it and they cover so much ground, absolutely nothing is wasted. And it hits on amazing life lessons for everybody, amazing life lessons that are eternal, that are culturally, culturally relevant right now that people should think about and be aware of. Um, and it's just beautiful. It's not one of the, Having seen a lot of the best pictures now since we had that conversation, hilarious, maybe now we should do an Oscars episode, <laughs> safely stay without a doubt, and I'll back it up to anybody, that this is far and away better than any of the other movies that are on there. I saw a lot of other films. Some of, uh, I think it's, it's too easy for a movie to just be sad and uh, to just put a drama on screen where people's lives suck and are hard <laughs> and like nothing comes out of it and people go, oh, that was a good movie. It was really real. It hit on like real challenges. And this is a perfect example of a movie that is beautiful, uplifting. You learn so much. You see things in a, in a new way, through a new lens you get a masterfully told story that, uh, I mean, the best of the best. The screenwriting is unbelievable. The, the characters, the acting from the three characters is so cohesive amongst each other 
that you just feel as if you've literally watched the child at the beginning age and become these because it's so well directed and directing children is incredibly difficult and I'm sure that they let some of that stand at the beginning and they reflected onto uh, Little's acting, but so cohesive, so wonderfully put together, and even challenging subjects are treated in a way where they focus on the positives of them for the most part. And they reflect on the challenges, but even his mentor character, who a lot of people, if you read a description, local drug dealer that you know (laughs) like mentors child you would have such a stigma against it immediately if you are one of the social populace that exists without reflection but handled in such a way as we reflected before that you love every character that's there and you see their flaws and everyone has flaws and it's it's celebrated in how it's presented excellent i i appreciate that comment and i'm going to follow up by saying that I was very thankful as I was watching the movie and after the movie was over, that this movie never once devolved into what you might expect a movie like this to sort of spiral into when you hear drugs, Miami, uh, what looks to be like late 80s, early 90s through to the present day, and homosexuality and the struggles of all those, the the, the intersection of all those topics. You might be tempted to think that at some point there's going to be violence, Uh right? Or um, a lot of gunplay, right? Uh-huh. Or a, a really intense amount of hate. Yeah. Maybe even to a, to a fatal degree, right? Uh-huh. And, and agendas. Agendas just pushed at yeah. you left and right, making you feel a certain way about something. Yeah, and it never did that. Kyle. Not it's, once. It's just like you just said. Everything was treated very well, and even with a little bit of a positive spin to it. Even the mom, who's perhaps the most negative character, other than the bully. The bully doesn't really get a, a happy ending, if you will. Um, I don't mean that as no. a joke. But the mom... Um, has her horrible moments in this movie, right? And she's the closest thing to like a spiraling out of control. Uh-huh. Oh, this is exactly what I expected about drugs. Right. Right. But you can't make that commentary. There's closure there. Yep. Um, there's closure in terms of his relationship with his, his friends from high. Oh, it, uh-huh. it never devolved. It no. never devolved. Anybody out there who's, who's thinking that, oh, what, another movie about drugs and being young and black and, and oh, more homosexuality stuff. I've seen enough. Of, no, no. Everything mm-hmm. is so tasteful. Yeah, and I'm tempted to say this is a story uh, that could be just told no other way. I feel mm-hmm. like this is in. We are at an important crossroads uh, within our country and worldwide, where there's so much happening right now, and a lot of it is uh, is negative, and a lot of it is against and rallying behind hatred and this is a, a a universal story that shapes itself in some ways through a lens to have people have it be relevant to now to get it to get it out to people to take away some messages from it that are important right now but all in all, it is a universal story of love, no matter who you are, no matter who you want to love, and family, growing up, finding yourself, and being a human being, and what that means. Excellent. And, the, and what, what becomes of us if we're nurtured as opposed to punished? Yeah. In, in whether that's in terms of the profession you have to seek out because of your surroundings, 
or your the the love that you choose to express, right? Uh-huh. Nurturing, not admonishment, right? Absolutely. And, not, and certainly not certainly not pun. Oh Jesus Christ! Punitive. Like what a society we live in, where everything's like, you know, in the present day, we're uh-huh. talking about uh, the relevance uh, with with regards to mentalities today. And the mentality today is like, oh, you you came across you you walked across that imaginary line separating two people <laughs> separating the same big broad desert punish yeah right everything's gotta be a punishment i'm the law and order like you know no 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 you, you got you still have it completely wrong that is antiquated thinking uh-huh. you know fuck all right <laughs> no I, I i'm 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 risking devolving into a massive rant you know about how uh this this a movie like this should teach us a lesson you know yeah you don't take a kid like that who clearly has issues because of the way he's been treated and what he's had to go through his whole life, and it exploded one day in a bit of rage because he whacked the guy with the chair, right? Uh-huh. Oh, let's send him away. Let's send him away. No. No. He needed he needed the same treatment that his mentor gave him early in the movie. What was his name? What was his character's name? Was it Juan? I forget. Fuck. And the same treatment that anyone else in that situation should have been given. Yeah. And there's the difference maker. Yeah. I'm, I'm swinging chairs around. Oh, the, the, clearly the right thing here to do is, is put that person behind bars. <laughs> That'll that'll get him over his chair swinging real quick. Uh-huh. Oosh, you know what did he need when it when it when it when it when it's all said and done? What did this man really need? He needed to be touched again. Yep. Right. He needed to be hugged. Uh-huh. And that's why the movie has such a beautiful, positive, lovely ending because he gets that. Absolutely. He admits that he hasn't had it, and then he gets it. Uh-huh. And the assumption is, and I think we can assume this, that it's it's it works out. It's going to be okay. That's my that's no my more, walk away. No more of this fronting nonsense, right? Yeah. And no more reactive behavior to how society is reacting to you. We are the products of our own choices, the societal pressures that are around us, the, 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 the views of everyone else, the views of how we picture ourselves and the treatment that we get when we're young. That we're taught affection as we are children. And and everything shapes us and makes us who we are through that life path. And this, again, is just a celebration and a, a look at how different stages in people's lives occur, that they're all important and necessary to grow and be the person that you ultimately come out on the other side. And the strength that goes along with that and the support that you can find and desire is out there. Absolutely. And what a, what a wonderful poster, bringing it all together that I didn't even look at close enough until I saw that. Mm-hmm. Just a, a brilliant composite of all the stages of his life coming together and shaping who he is. I'm done, Kyle. Wonderful. That's, our, that's, that's Moonlight. That's our, our belated Black History Month celebration. But... Really great movie, and it is a movie review. So James, we're gonna have to oh, put a, we we're gonna have to put a grade on it, and I'm gonna have you go first. Oh man, I know, Kyle. This is a flawless movie. I know it is. I know what I'm gonna say. Flawless movie. A plus. A plus. I had wrote it down on my notes. A plus. Is, is it the first one? It's the first one, and it's the most. There's, as I was watching it, there was nothing that I could that was negative about it in any way. Can I tell you a quick story? We have time for a quick story. I thought I had one nitpicky thing on this fucking movie and I don't anymore. Because I (laughs) I described it to Andrea. Uh, Shout out to Andrea. 
Oh, by the way, shout out to Hassan, too. He wanted to be in the studio today. Andrea and Sonia went and saw this. They both That's wanted right. to be in the studio. Hassan saw it. He wanted to be in the studio. So twice. Shout and, out to Hassan. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. I thought I had one thing. And here it is real quick. The dining scene at the end. They're talking a lot. They're, well, they're talking a lot. They're having their conversation. The food has been ordered. Da-da. And then his buddy makes a, a point, a pretty big point, actually, about picking out a song and playing it on the jukebox. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, you know, they're building this up. They are building up this song. What's it going to be? <laughs> and when he played it, I was like, I don't recognize this. I thought it was going to be relevant to their past. Mm. I thought it was going to be relevant somehow to one of the previous two acts of the movie, particularly the second act when mm-hmm. they met. And as far as I was concerned, it wasn't. I discussed this with Andrea. Andrea goes, no, this is the title of the song. Here are some of the lyrics. It is totally fit for them. <laughs> you idiot. And I was like, oh. Because it didn't have that immediacy. Right. You know, I guess... You know, it's my fault. They didn't serve it up to me on a silver platter. Uh-huh. So, Kyle, it, it is a and flawless movie. Probably would have detracted if it was something else. It need and and in retrospect, it needed to be subtle. Yeah. It couldn't have been in your face like that. Mm-hmm. What, what what would they have put on the jukebox? It'd be like, ah, like nobody would have taken me out of the moment. It was subtle, and it was like we said before, it was tasteful and easy. It wasn't some jarring moment, right? Uh-huh. I can't. This is our first day plus. I'm so happy about this. This best movie that I have seen in I a long, long. I can't even pick something else that I would compare it with because it's too important and it was too good, and I loved watching it. Oh yeah, a plus. Shout out to literally every person who touched this film in any way. Thank you for putting it together, making it the story, wherever the inspirations and everything came from. Everybody involved. Yeah. Take us home, Kyle. With that, we're going to end it right there. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you've seen this, and if you haven't, go out and see it. You can catch us on YouTube and iTunes, anywhere you find podcasts. Loud on the set with Kyle and James. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Loud on the set at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Moonlight. And again, a shout out to Beth. Congrats on the Oscar. Winning selection. We were the only ones that guessed Moonlight, though. So, really, we get the prize. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well done, well done. All right, loud on set with Kyle and James. Go see Moonlight. If you have seen Moonlight, see it again. I know I'm going to. And have a wonderful, wonderful time. See you later. And cut.